I'm a big one for someone who comes up with a phrase or a concept that's coined in such a way that it makes a lot of sense from first pass, but also makes you want to ask more questions. For example, nonfiction brand. Hmm, why do I put myself under that umbrella? Well, it kind of implies that there are such things as fiction brands. Why, yes, there are. And it also begs the question, so how is a nonfiction brand different than a fiction brand? Do you see what I did there? Magic trick. I had a conversation in my mind that instantly popped into your mind, and boom, all of a sudden we have an interesting conversation going on. I saw a phrase that you coined that immediately caught my interest, and that is collaboration currency. Now, you don't know this, but as part of the whole personal branding thing I do with other people, I preach all day long about the idea of having a key three, three concepts that concisely and consistently define exactly who you are, what you do, and how you do it. In my case, it's creative, collaborative, and provocative. So when I saw that you were all about collaboration, and not only that, but collaboration currency, I'm like, I got a question to ask Melanie. What exactly is collaboration currency? So I love that collaboration is what pulled you in. I did notice that on your website that that is part of your top three. Collaboration currency to me is a new way in which we co-create new opportunity with other people. I should say it's a new way. It is a, it is a really, it's like a, a tried and true method, but I think it's often overpassed. And what I think happens for a lot of people is they look at partnering with other experts and sometimes even their competitors and they think, well, it gets complicated. In my industry, there's a lot of like joint venture tracking affiliates and oh my gosh, now I've got to figure out what my opt-in conversions are. And so it gets a little heady and can be unwieldy for some people. To me, the idea of collaboration currency is how do we co-create opportunity for not just for me, not just for you, but for where it also benefits the audience or the community that, that receives that collaborative effort, because I think everybody wins. And what is the simplest way that we can collaborate together where it's expanding opportunity for all of us? So I'm a big simplify to multiply person. Oh, I love that. Simplify to multiply, because that's exactly what I'm trying to do with my podcast, which is why I wanted to bring you on my podcast to get in front of my audience and share your wisdom and your techniques and tips and tricks and whatever you've got up your sleeve in a way that is completely mutually beneficial, not just between you and me, but us, we two and the audience. And keep in mind that a podcast, once a podcast is done, and you pay a hosting company or a hosting website to have that podcast, that episode can be up there for years. You know, anyone who's ever dove deep into, I don't know, Malcolm Gladwell's podcast or Song Exploder, which started in 2015, you can see years worth of really great stuff. Anytime that's right for you, truly asynchronous communication and, dare I say, asynchronous collaboration as well. So I, I think that's really interesting. And the thing that you just said that really caught my attention was that you're, you're very, I'm guessing, audience focused. You brought up the fact mm -hmm. that it's for the audience. My first priority is the audience. Is this going to be valuable to them? Otherwise, I'm just talking into a microphone and I certainly don't want to do that. So are you as audience focused as I believe you to be? Mm, 
Yes. The answer would be yes. You know, this actually, this whole concept goes back many years for me. I've been in business since 2000, and I found in the beginning of starting my business, there was a lot that I didn't understand about client attraction that I quickly had to learn. And what I found to be the one strategy that moved the needle the fastest was collaborations, partnerships. And I found that the people I was collaborating back in 2003, 2004, we were creating six figures for each other over and over and over again, just simply being guest experts. That's one of my key strategies that ties into collaboration. It ties into how we monetize our superpowers. And when I I got tired of being on the road, and I'm sure that you, you can relate that we don't have to go somewhere. We don't have to be on a stage anymore to activate this, at least this particular piece of collaboration. We can leverage podcasts. And as podcast, I've, I've had a podcast since 2010, and I found that very quickly that what was happening on these in these podcast conversations could act like a magnet. I was getting emails and posts from people who said that thing you shared on Jim's podcast or Jess' podcast or Susan's podcast or whoever's podcast was it like meant so much to me, and I felt like you were talking right to me, and that's when I knew that. When we're collaborating by creating a conversation that can move somebody, not just into a space of being inspired, but we can move them into being invested in solving a problem and maybe even choosing you to work with you, that this was a golden key for scaling a business, for having a major impact that most of us really want to have, and for establishing our authority as a brand and a a trusted advisor. So there's so much that's wrapped up in this idea of collaboration currency for me. Podcast guesting and speaking is like two arms of multiple ways we can collaborate. And DP, like, I think this will fit very well into what you believe, but I say, find a way that feels like a win-win. Before I got on this conversation with you, I was on a call with somebody who reached out to me and said, are you interested in partnering on some things? And I said, well, let's talk. Let's see, what does that look like? And so the conversation was, what does a win feel like to you? What does a win feel like to me? And I think that that's kind of, I don't want to say it's flipping the JV model on its head, but I think it's creating another way for people who are intimidated by joint venturing and partnering in more sophisticated ways to have a way to tap into other people's audiences and the collaborative power that exists there. I think that's key right there, which is collaboration is something that is equally back and forth between everybody involved in in the collaboration. So many joint ventures are kind of like, I bring mine, you bring yours, we butt them up against each other, and they just are better because they're touching each other. No, a, a good collaboration is more like this, where you're literally, and by the way, audio listeners, sorry, I'm doing some things visually on the live stream, but I'm, I'm literally, instead of butting up my hands against each other, I'm intertwining my fingers, making a complete dovetail joint, if you will, between my fingers, because a good collaboration, you don't know where the collaboration begins or ends because it just is. Whereas a joint venture sometimes can be, I bring my stuff, you bring your stuff, and we have kind of a lame party. And that's not (laughs) what I'm into. And I certainly don't think, based on what you're talking about with your collaboration currency, That's not what you're talking about either, as far as I can tell. You know, it's funny you're bringing this up because 
the idea of collaboration currency emerged for me because I had a series of partners, partner arrangements that didn't feel very good to me. So I'm one of those people where I want, I want business to feel good. I'm very much about your business should bring you joy. Your business should bring you profit and your business should be rewarding. And if it's one without the other, it's probably not going to work for a long term. And I was having these partners, these people reaching out. And it, it was like, I felt like I had a full-time job trying to deliver on their partnership requests. And I thought there has to be another way to collaborate where it feels good. And so I started talking about collaboration currency because in the beginning, when I was partnering up with these three people, we were having so much fun. And it was literally like we were in search of how could we do something amazing to bring more visibility to this person? So first of all, I think collaboration currency evokes friendship. Being in business today, especially if you're a content creator, you're a podcaster, you you you, you run your business from your home, it can get very lonely. I don't know about you, but I, I like haven't seen a lot of people in the last two years. And when I work from home, I could go days before I get out of my space and I connect with another expert, another person of, of similar you know business mentality. And I found that in collaboration currency, like the people I was collaborating with, we would create these deep bonds and these friendships where we literally would go to bat for each other and say, hey, I'm doing this. Do you want to participate? Hey, this thing is happening. Have you pitched yourself over here? Like it becomes a fun game, a, a way of being to figure out how can I give to someone else and make their day knowing it's going to come back. And that's the collateral part. That's the part where the currency expands because it's not just what you're getting, it's what you're giving. And that's part of the joy and the value of collaboration currency. Yeah. Well, you hit it right on the head. I mean, this is a dirty little secret amongst people who do podcasts. We get more out of it than we just giving people a platform to espouse their wisdom on. I'll be honest with you. Every time I've done a podcast with very few exceptions, by the end of our session together, you've made a new friend. They may not be a best friend forever and you may not invite them to your wedding, but you've made a friend that if you ever meet them again at a conference or in person someplace, it's going to be like meeting an old lost buddy from high school. It's that type of close. Oh my God, it's so great to see you. I had no idea you were so tall. You know, that type of conversation as opposed to, hi, who are you and what do you do? All of a sudden, you've got this whole new level of intimacy and value for each other because you've already demonstrated that value. And so for me as a podcast creator, I learn so much by talking to so many different people. I meet so many more different people than I could ever possibly meet. I'm based just outside Madison, Wisconsin, in a little town called Sun Prairie. Well, it's basically right up against Madison, so it's not like I'm in the sticks or anything. But still, it's not quite the same as being down in Orange County, California, where everybody's there already. But my podcast gives me the opportunity to reach out and collaborate with a wide variety of people. And in a way that allows me to demonstrate what I can do by allowing them to demonstrate what they can do in a, a really beautifully collaborative way. I want to ask you a question because you kind of breezed by it at the front. You mentioned the word expert because podcasts want to have experts on in whatever you happen to do. What is your definition of expert? Well, that's a good question. I actually did a whole podcast episode on the distinctions between being an authority and being an expert. To me, 
being an expert means that you have demonstrated experience in whatever it is you do as a craft. So for me, I've been coaching and mentoring people for 22 years now (laughs) as this is airing. Wow. Yes, I am that old. And so I have a demonstrated expertise in that. When I do my thing, when I deliver my work product, I am giving people tools and strategies and systems and processes that will help them get a proven result. And they do get results. So that's expertise. And we could apply this to an accountant. We could apply this to a podcast manager, a virtual assistant, right? Anybody at any field, there is an expertise when you can demonstrate a process that gets results, in my opinion. Now, I think there's a there's a jump when we go into authority. And when we move into authority, you are a recognized expert, meaning other people will put your name and your expertise together for you. So somebody was saying, hey, who do you know that's really good at like helping people share their message to attract clients? Well, as an authority, especially if you're in the podcast world, most likely someone would say, hey, have you met Melanie Benson? Or you know, any of the other things that I'm well known for, building authority, being able to help people with collaboration. My name often comes up in conversation for collaboration, partners and collaboration ideas. Because what happens when you're an authority is you've done a good job of repeatedly getting your brand and your message and your expertise in front of your community of peers, your other centers of influence and other potential clients so that now your name is connected to your expertise and being spoken on your behalf. So that's where I think we make the leap into authority and what those differences are. Yeah. Oh boy. I'm shaking my head off my neck right now because that's exactly it. Authority can only happen via demonstration. You need to demonstrate that you in fact have the authority based on your experience. Now experience is, is great, but if nobody knows what your experience is, they don't attribute it to you. And if you don't take credit for that, which you have earned throughout your life, well, I'm from the Midwest. Okay. And unfortunately, we work really, really hard and then don't take credit for what we did. And I'm telling you, that is a mistake. And this is where we start turning the conversation towards personal branding. Because as I learned very early, and as listeners to this podcast know, you don't get credit for that, which you don't claim credit. And if you don't demonstrate that you deserve that credit, you certainly won't retain that credit. So you can be great at what you do, but if a great tree falls in a forest, doesn't make a sound. Not if it's not a personally branded tree. That's what I'm saying. And so this all kind of ties together with what you're talking about in terms of expertise, authority, and I'm going to package that under the, the concept of personal branding, which is, yes, you have to brand yourself because I'm talking to Melody Benson because she's, let me go down the list. She's an authority amplifier, revenue strategist, and money mindset coach. Why do I know this? She talks about it on her website. She talks about it on her podcast. She'll talk about it on my podcast. She'll talk about it on any podcast she can go on. You're not going to be talking about fantasy football leagues or the latest iPhone or what are the new color trends for 2023. Why? Because that's not what you do. Now, you might be interested in all those things, but when it comes to your expertise and your authority and your personal brand, 
You've made very clear delineations, put them into words on your website and in your podcast to the point that people go, oh, I should talk to, oh, I should refer my friend to Melanie Benson. Now, there's a word on your podcast that uh, I, I kind of want to talk about, and it's related to experts, because I've never heard, I've never seen or heard it coined that way. You're a money mindset coach for expertpreneurs. Okay, now we all know what entrepreneurs are. We know what solopreneurs are. What is your definition of an expertpreneur? You know, I, I don't know who first coined this. It was not me. I will, I will not take credit for it, but it, the term basically means you are building a business around your expertise and you make your living selling that expertise, training people on that expertise, coaching people to integrate a result based on that expertise. And so the expertpreneur is someone who is not just an expert and they're like, oh, cool, I'm an expert in this. <laughs> and they don't have a job. They're not taking a salary using their expertise. They are building a business to be profitable and scale the reach of their work to the people that need the most. So that's, it's basically, you're an entrepreneur that's building a business around your expertise. Got it. Well, you know, cause that's so important because to be an expert and not be able to turn it into a business that can actually generate revenue for you and your family. Well, that's wonderful, but you better have a, a huge endowment or inheritance from someone else. For the rest of us, yeah, you, we have to make some coin to actually survive in this world. It's really important, especially if you're that entrepreneurial expertpreneur, because one of the things that I, whenever I talk to anybody about building their personal brand, I'll kind of do this mental test on them and say, okay, picture in front of you a line, a continuum. On one end of that line is a bureaucrat. I know exactly what I'm doing Wednesday at 2 p.m. every week. On the other end of that line is an entrepreneur, which is, I think I know what I'm doing today, but by the first five minutes of the day, that's out the window and I'm doing something totally different based on whatever is happening, right? The one person I want to know, I want to work at the DMV. I just want to get that check and get it done. The other person, I thrive on chaos. I love the dynamism of it. If you know where you are on continuum, that's hugely helpful. And you appear, and correct me if I'm wrong, you appear to be addressing not the entire continuum, but people halfway on one side, all the way over to pure Elon Musk entrepreneur. Am I correct in that yeah. assessment? You know, I would say the people that get the most out of work I do, it, they are really clear that they want to, they have a message, they have a body of work, they solve a costly problem for somebody, and they want to grow the reach of that. So when we talk about an Elon Musk, I would say Elon Musk is probably, well, I, I don't know how to put it on your continuum, but I would say he's kind of in the middle from like corporate all the way over here to someone who's like a founder of a tech company or a really big company, they would benefit from what I do, but chances are they have people who do all this for them. So the work that I do is really tailored to people who they are the founder, they're the CEO, they probably have a team and they haven't quite figured out how to craft their message and the way they present their sound bites and their like, if they're going to pitch themselves to get on a podcast or on a stage, they don't really know how to craft all that. They're not going to go drop big money on a publicist 
they're looking for something that they can put together and then maybe have their team uh, help execute on for them. So they're not the bootstrappers at the far end of the entrepreneurial spectrum where they're just kind of scraping by. How do I like pull the next, you know, bit of clients in my door? They're, they've really got a system. And you were mentioning this idea of the kind of the worker bee knows exactly where they're going to be. I think the people that thrive the most these days are the people who they know what their superpower is. They know that they need to have a system to deliver that. And they're always looking for, how do I improve another 10% this month? How do I find that edge this month? How do I improve my languaging a little bit more? How do I, how do, I do something even more aligned this month? So they're looking for those 1%, 5%, 10% corrections that catapult them into that next range of, of success. So, you know, I think there is something very powerful once you get all the bugs worked out to focusing on how do I focus my time, my energy on getting in front of the right audiences, collaborating with the right partners and getting the right message so that I'm attracting the right clients who are willing to premium levels to move faster towards results. That's my vision of what I think a thriving business is right now. Are these concepts involved in your kind of uh, what I would call tentpole concept of a millions mindset? I see that on your website yeah. and I wanted to ask you about that. What is a millions mindset and do you sell that by the pound? Uh, you sell by the millions, actually. Yeah. You, I, what I could, so I used to get invited to speak a lot about mindset and money mindset. And I do talk a lot about what is often referred to as imposter syndrome or imposter moments and being a best kept secret. And so that's more the visibility side of mindset. The money side of mindset is something that I spent many, many years speaking on other people's stages about. And what I found is that there are people who think in terms of dollars and there are people who think in terms of millions. And when you think in terms of millions, you're always looking at what do I need to do to like massively scale the reach of my work in the world? What do I need to do to, you know, make my next million or my next six figures? And I don't want to make anyone who's not in that space, like feel like you don't have a good mindset. But what I have found is the people who think in terms of how am I going to get the next dollar in? How am I going to get the next client in? How am I going to get the next kind of like these little small pieces? They're very overwhelmed and they tend to work way harder than they need to, to grow their business. And it's almost like there's this kind of like they're stuck in this mode of struggle. And so there's a lot of struggle and a lot of work to get to the results that they had hoped for. So when I would speak about millions mindset, the whole point was, how do you think bigger and in, in a way that moves mountains instead of moves a little rock forward? And there's a momentum that's very contagious and very powerful that creates energy that is so contagious and so exciting that you tend to pull people with you very effortlessly who want to go on this ride and can't wait for what you're doing next. That's interesting because a lot of people think about how can I make this sale? How can I start a relationship to start thinking about how do I, how do I make my first millions first of many millions? That's, that's an interesting point of view. Is it a point of view you share in your seven step framework? Because I'm going to ask you toward the end of the podcast where people can connect with you and stuff like that. But I already kind of know where I want you to take them. 
And that is <laughs> your seven step free guide, because it's interesting. What's it called? It's called the seven step proven framework to leverage other people's audiences. That's intriguing to me. Can you give us a little bit of a taste of what that's all about? So a couple of years ago, somebody was asking me in an interview just like this, what was the moment that I feel like I'd made it? And I realized I had been working. So back in 2004, 2005, my business had been growing by six figures over and over and over again. I was getting ready to get into a, a million dollar business. And what I realized was I had seven steps that I did over and over and over again. And we might try something different here and there, but I, I literally, I, I had these, the seven step framework where I leveraged other people's audiences to connect them to an offer that solved a costly problem that they were struggling with. And today I still pretty much use the same seven steps and these seven steps work. But what happens when I get people who come to me and say, Melanie, my podcast guesting isn't work, or I've been trying to do, you know, what you say to collaborate with other people and nothing's really taking off and they're stuck on something. There's a bottleneck. Usually they don't have all seven steps working in their business. And I found that if people will have the patience and the commitment to integrate all seven steps, their business will start to perform very well with minimal effort. It's, I don't want to say it's a machine, but it's a system that you kind of like press the button and go, okay, let's work the, let's work the system. And then let me get the proven result. And the seven figures is it's a it's a mile marker I think a lot of people set look I I don't really care anymore if I'm making a million or I'm making six figures that's not my measure of success my measure of success is how many people are putting what I teach into action and they're getting results they want like I love money like I love making money but that is not my measure of success my measure of success is impact and it's reach and every time I'm invited to speak and I've I've never even met the person and they're like, I heard you talk about this. Can you come and speak on my stage? That's a measure of success. When I have somebody who I'm collaborating with and they're getting more clients because our collaboration is paying off, that's a measure of success. So yes, I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. I love money. I love making money. I love teaching other people how to make really good money because what I think is the easiest thing in the world is to understand the value of what you do and raise your prices significantly because 90% of the people that I have worked with over these 22 years are massively undercharging. And that's actually the real problem they have, DP. They do not charge what they should be charging. And people are like, eh, okay, that's interesting. But like, I don't know, like it's priced so low, like maybe it's not that good. I don't know. People, it would surprise you how raising your prices can actually be the one solution you never thought of that gets you the best results the fastest. Well, as an, a longtime advertising guy myself, there there's a story that I've heard attributed to two different brands, Audi and Cadillac. And it basically came down to the Cadillac that was priced $10,000 too low. And the concept mm -hmm. was that Cadillac wanted to come out with an entry-level Cadillac. So they priced it at an entry-level position or what they considered an entry-level position. The thing is, nobody who wants a Cadillac wants to look at the price of a Cadillac because to look at a price on a Cadillac is to deny why they're getting it, which is I've reached the point in my life where I don't have to look at how much it costs. 
I have to look at what value it brings to me and my self-esteem, et cetera, et cetera. So when they saw a Cadillac that was $10,000 under what they expected to pay, they were like, no, I'll pass. They changed the price. All of a sudden, it starts selling like hotcakes because all of a sudden, people are like, yeah, it's a Cadillac. Oh, and I, I, I can get it a whole lot sooner than I thought in my life. I thought I might have to be a little richer before I could splurge on something like that, but now I can. And the whole point is Cadillac or Audi or whoever it was, they just realized that, oh, our product isn't purchased by price. Our product mm -hmm. is judged by price. And that judging can be that it's priced too low, therefore I don't want it. So what mm. you're kind of saying is bargain basement expertise maybe is not expertise at all, at least in the eyes of some of the people who might be interested in buying your services. Yeah, this is this we could probably do a whole conversation just on pricing, but this might help if I share a quick story of somebody I've been working with who is very brilliant in his field. He is an auctioneer. And the one thing that he will tell you is that he produces massive value for the people in his audiences and the, the people who hire him. So he came to me because he wanted, he felt like a best kept secret, even though he's really talented and he wanted to raise his profile and he wanted to double and then triple his revenue. But he said, look, I'm maxed out and I don't really think online courses and stuff is right for my audience, which is debatable, <laughs> but I worked with him on understanding his value proposition. And this goes back to the most people are undercharging. I said, look, you are at the top of your game, but you're charging like mid range prices. What if you like, what would it take to double your prices? He's like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. And when I showed him when people invest X in your services, but they're producing like a thousand times that from the contribution you make, don't you think that is an investment they will easily make? We had to flip his mentality about what he was charging and why he was charging. And sure enough, as soon as he was brave enough to tell the next client that, you know, what his doubled rate was, they're like, okay, where do I sign? It was like no sweat off their back because he could, and this is part of what I teach in my seven steps. You also have to understand how to frame an enrollment conversation or a sales conversation, you have to understand how to position your value so it's easy for the client to say yes, rather than them scratching their head going, I don't get it. I've been on sales conversations with vendors I desperately wanted to hire. And when they rolled out their price to me, I was like, no, that doesn't make any sense. Because they didn't know how to frame the conversation to demonstrate what they could provide that would make that an easy investment to make. So yeah. very small slice of a bigger conversation, but it's very valuable to understand or very powerful to understand what value you bring to your potential client and how to frame that conversation. I'm reminded there's a, a show, I think it's a Netflix show, The Movies That Made Us, and it looks at movies like Toy Story, or not Toy Story, but Home Alone and stuff like that. And it, it goes into the making of the movie and they're all really interesting. Well, one of them is about Die Hard, the movie starring Bruce Willis, the what my family considers to be a Christmas film because it happens during Christmas, but it happens to be an action adventure. It stars Bruce Willis, one of the biggest action movie stars of all time. What people don't realize is that when Die Hard was being cast, they tried to cast everybody, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, 
et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They finally got this guy named Bruce Willis, whose only significant credits were a TV show called Moonlighting, on which he appeared with Sybil Shepherd, I think. And it was a big hit on TV. And that's the key. On TV, he was kind of very irreverent and funny and cute. But he had never made a film of any impact. And so when they were going to cast him, he and his agent said, okay, you're interested in Bruce? That'll be $5 million for this film. No action star at that time had been paid $5 million. And they said to him, are you crazy? Nobody has been paid $5 million for a film. And they said, yeah, but Bruce is worth it. And what they were also saying, at least behind amongst themselves is, we better get you $5 million because if this doesn't work out, you're never working again. But they went in <laughs> confident. They proved the value in terms of his TV ratings and stuff like that. And Die Hard is a huge hit even to this day and turned Bruce Willis into a guy who doesn't make $5 million a film, but until recently made tens of million dollars per film because, frankly, he convinced them that he was worth it. And boy, was he right. Does it take a little bit of chutzpah to go in and say, hey, I've never made a film, but I'm worth $5 million? Maybe, but what you're talking about is not that. It's, no, I can prove it to you. In taking your auctioneer client as an example, if you can walk in as an auctioneer and say, my being here means that the things behind me are going to sell for 100x what you could get without me being here, it's a no-brainer to pay that 1x to pay you whatever that Absolutely. 1x is you know so again you have to demonstrate your value and you have to claim that value as yours and i applaud you for doing that for getting people to understand that you are the worth that you put out there and demonstrate you are worth and that's what yes. podcast guesting can do that's what putting out a podcast yourself can do that's what speaking on stages can do that's what going on Zoom conferences can do for you. Getting out there and sharing your message, that's how you demonstrate who you are, or what I like to say, this is the kind of my closet or my ongoing recipe for personal branding, is who you are, what you do, and how you do it, and demonstrating that in terms of value that relates to your audience. I can tell you're all about that, and I'm really intrigued by the seven-step proven framework, which is available to everybody who's watching this live stream or listening to this podcast simply by going to www.amplifywithmelanie.com. Is that the best way for people to get that free guide? It is the only way to get that free guide. So thank you for sharing that. And I'll tell you what's in store for you is I'm going to share with you the seven step framework that I have used for, I don't know, what has that been? 15 years, 16 years now. And I teach it to my clients. They use it in their businesses. For me personally, it's easily made me another 125 to 150,000 a year. When my clients put it into action, they put all seven steps in it. I have found that they can add another $10,000, $12,000 a month in revenue within the first 60 to 90 days. So this is a process that works, but you do need all seven steps. And you really, I, I get really excited about the visibility step because what we're doing here today, having this conversation on podcast, 
guesting and, and collaboration and like being a guest on other people's podcasts is the easiest, simplest ways to collaborate, to transform a competitor, someone who might feel like a competitor because you do similar things into your best collaborator, like, and your number one lead source and to shorten the path to turning on like a steady flow of great leads. Like you were mentioning earlier, the power of podcast guesting. Matter of fact, I think it might even been, been with a previous guest that you had on your show. You were talking about like podcasts are evergreen. They live in the podcast land forever. So once you create this amazing conversation and you have a catchy title and you know how to talk about the things that are on in the hearts and minds of your ideal client, you're turning on a flood of great clients coming to you. And this is something that when you know how to craft the conversation, which is a key part of the seven-step framework, that's what turns the magic on. So make sure you really know how to dial that in. If you're excited about the framework, Amplify with Melanie's where you can grab it. Make sure that you really know how to dial in being a great guest expert on the right platforms with the right message because that's the key to making the whole thing sing really, really well, like without you having to be out there paying for a lot of fancy Facebook ads and, you know, complicated joint ventures, podcast guestings, so simple and so rewarding. That's what we were talking about, DPs. Like you make new friends, you create new collaboration partners. You know, there's just this camaraderie and this generosity to the podcasting community. And I got to tell you, it's, it's one of my favorite, favorite spaces right now. You're preaching to the choir there. I mean, longtime listeners of this podcast will recognize the fact I've talked about this before, that the first three years of doing this, I sought guests. And oftentimes I was like, I need a guest. Who do I get? I get someone I know, or maybe I have someone back on that I had on maybe three months ago, because not because I have to fill it, but because they were good. But yeah, I did have a slot I needed filling. And it was a bit of a... Uh, it wasn't a struggle, but it was a bit more pain than I would really wanted to do. And then I discovered this thing called podmatch.com, which is, I've heard it referred to as Tinder for podcasters and guests, and, but it kind <laughs> of is because, you know, you fill out your profile, you get matched with people and you can accept the match or you can pass on the match, whatever. And instantly I filled out my stuff. And then promptly forgot about it because I was like, eh, this is another one of those things I better fill out just to cover my butt for my podcast, right? I want to claim my podcast and stuff like that. Well, I got an incoming email from someone who said, hey, I'd like to have you on my podcast. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting because normally I'm the one asking for guests. And all of a sudden, I had a great time. We had a great conversation. He turned one conversation into four separate podcasts because we went for like two hours. It was crazy, but we got along really well and we collaborated in a way that provided both of us currency, if you will. And it made such perfect sense. And now I'm a huge, huge fan of podmatch.com. And frankly, that's how I met you, right? Mm -hmm. I was going to say, I think you are the only interview I've ever accepted because your, first of all, your profile was very professional and it had a great representation and, and you made a very compelling invitation. And I was like, sure, why not? <laughs> so I'm very glad I did. And I actually just interviewed the founder of Podmatch on my podcast, Amplify Your Success. 
And I got to say, it's going to be, it's probably going to be one of the top five interviews. It was so good. Yeah. And I, I feel really fortunate to have such amazing guests available to us from Podmatch. Like I'm starting to check it out even more. Yeah. Well, I'm going to bug Alex Sanfilippo to come on my podcast because his product is fantastic. And if any listener hasn't checked out podmatch.com, you got to do it because it's absolutely free. There are paid levels, but make mm -hmm. no bones about it. Cheap ass dad right here doesn't pay a cent to be on Podmatch. And I've been on north of 30 podcasts since I started engaging on podmatch.com. So yeah, a big thumbs up for that. I know you're a fan of Podmatch as well. So check that out. Melanie, before we go, obviously we talked about going to www.amplifywithmelanie.com to get that seven step. Let me, let me get the full title in there. The seven step <laughs> proven framework to leverage other people's audiences. And I can't read the rest of it. And add another 125K a year in new business. Oh, that's an important point. I guess I should have probably included that the last time I mentioned you the know, book or the guide. Catchy. It tells you why you should pick it up. And you can get that free at amplifywithmelanie.com. So definitely do that. Is there any other social media channel at which you are the most active or you like to mm. connect with other people? Instagram, Coach Melanie Benson, and actually Twitter. I'm a huge Twitter fan. We mentioned Elon Musk earlier. Very excited to see what he does with Twitter. But I have been on Twitter since the beginning. I have a huge presence there. I have a lot of great connections. And I find it to be a very robust place for us podcasters to make connections as well. So Twitter, I'm Mel Coach. Instagram, I'm Coach Melanie Benson. And you can find me pretty much on all of them. Definitely connect with Melanie Benson because I think you've got a, a taste of the wisdom and techniques and systems and processes that she's got going on. Frankly, I'm going to dive into your free guide because I know there's some stuff I'm not doing that I need to do. And it's a great reminder to everyone that there are great people and fantastic resources out there that are just out of your reach unless you're paying attention to podcasts, both as a listener, creator, and a guest. Yes. Can you get all the calories uh, or let me say this a different way can you get all the goodness of podcasting without the pain in the butt calories of production yes you can by being a podcast guest and i'd like to thank melanie again for being on this podcast the nonfiction brand podcast if you would like to support this podcast don't forget it comes in dead tree form available at good old house of bezos amazon.com the book is called nonfiction brand discover craft and communicate the completely true completely you brand you already are and that's available there anyway that's it for me i'm your host dp knuton and she is melanie benson and i'll be talking at you again next week bye bye 